The war in Israel is over. And just to be clear, they started it. Another Tisha B'Av is behind us. I experienced it here at the Kotel. Tell you about that. Do you need extra leg room on the airplane or is that just me? Now is the time to speak up. And why not throw in bigger bathrooms and non-anti-Semitic flight attendants while you're at it? And the woman behind one of the most important collections of American culinary. Well, she died and she left some amazing cookbooks behind that we are going to discuss. Those are the headlines. I don't make them. I just unpack them. This is the Weekly Squeeze. I am Hanalah. Yes, like Hanukkah. In case you are new here and you don't know how to pronounce my name, it is Hanalah, not Chanel. And not Chanelli. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hanalah straight up. Did I mention this is the Weekly Squeeze? Did I remind you to subscribe and drop a link in a WhatsApp group? I'm not embarrassed. This is my show, and I'm going to promote it. Okay, wow. My my head is exploding, you know? But I also feel a real sense of calm following this Tisha B'Av because I was so connected. I had such a meaningful pre-Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av, and now I'm just on a high, and I connected to so many people. I mean, it was really a, a special experience. And because I live in Israel, and because I don't live in Detroit, I'm going to tell you every last detail, and it's going to be special because it happened here in Eretz Yisrael. And that's what I told my little kids. I said, once upon a time, there were two kids just like you in their beds with a mother telling them a story. And then the big bad guy came and marched them out of Eretz Yisrael to be in Gullus for a very long time. As a matter of fact, kids, we're still in Gullus. Even though we're here in Eretz Yisrael, we're still in Gullus because we don't have a base on Mikdash. And every day that we don't have a base on Mikdash, the world knows that Mashiach is not here. And Mashiach is only going to come when we deserve him. And when he comes, the whole world will know that we deserved him. And the kingdom of Israel will reign supreme. Mashiach now. <laughs> okay, into the program. So Tisha B'Av is challenging no matter where you are, but it's a little more challenging. And I want to be sarcastic or kitschy, but it's a tiny drop more challenging when you are surrounded by bloodthirsty Arabs, terrorists, and hundreds of thousands of armed thugs that are completely brainwashed. So I try to distract myself from the constant overhead sound. It felt like being um, in a war zone. <laughs> So here in Beit Shemesh, we have a lot of air activity, and there was just this constant roar of, of jets overhead, and it just adds to the constant sound of somebody looking at their phone and playing the hazakah, the siren, from another part of the country. So even if you're not living in an area where there's a siren, it's on the news, it's we're watching them on social media, and that sound evokes so much panic and fear and sadness. It's like you're trying to live your life and now you have to run for your life because massive, I mean, think about refrigerators on fire. Like think about a refrigerator on fire being projected at you at a very high speed indiscriminately nonstop for three days straight. Why? Why, you ask? Why would anyone do that? Well, the Israelis, they decided they're going to be proactive. They're not going to wait for terrorists in Gaza to execute massive terrorist plots. Instead, Israel is going to very strategically hit them, take out those leaders, and hopefully improve peace in the region. I think the world forgot that Israel 
is here to improve peace in the region. That's all Israel does. That's right. As a sovereign country, as an American ally, and here we are defending ourselves again. Even though, honestly, who cares what the world thinks? They started it. If anyone asks, all you should do is respond, they started it. Just that should be our mantra. Forget Am Yisrael Chai. <laughs> Forget Old Avinu Chai. They started it. That's it. That's our response. So the media has a question. They started it. If you repeat things over and over enough, we got to hock it into people's heads. Just hock it into their heads. That's it. Nonstop. They started it. That's right. Okay, before I go on any further, let me just introduce you to my friend Jordana. I did an interview with Jordana on her podcast. I really didn't know her that well, but in one conversation, I really got to know a wonderful person, a gem of a woman, and, you know, she has some great interviews, including one with me, so check out her show. Uh, it's called Drinking in Jordana. The link for the show is in the show notes. I'm going to play her promo and see you on the other side. Hi, my name is Jordana and welcome to Drink It In, the podcast. I am an experienced educator with an engaging and entertaining way of interacting with others. I spent years working on providing thoughts that translate into inspiration. I have one very simple goal, get you inspired. This podcast is my latest endeavor as we discuss all kinds of interesting topics covering all genres. Come ride with us on the Drink It In podcast. What are you waiting for? Grab a glass, a cup of coffee, and let's get to it. Available everywhere podcasts are. Check out even more at maverickpodcasting.com. Okay, so Tisha B'Av, what was it like on the ground? Well, I went to the Kaisal Matishabis and walked down and storied a little bit the atmosphere. And it was just full of Jews from all over Israel, every single type, walking to go mourn the Beis HaMikdash together. And obviously when Jews see each other, it's exciting. I saw cousins. I saw my camp counselor from back in the day. Um, let's see. I just, I, my mother's dear friend, we just hung out a little bit while we took videos and sang and just stood by the Kaisal and took in the atmosphere of a nation mourning with music, with tefillahs, with prayers, with tears, with unity, asking Hashem to forgive us, to love us, and to take us back home, even though we are such a shtick. You know what? I can't say anything on the show. You guys don't let me say the R word. You don't let me say the D word. I, I can't work like this. Seriously, just if I say words that you don't want to hear, email my manager. I'm just warning you, he's a very busy man, and he might be a Sephardi. Okay, what's going on in the world? I'll tell you like this. We're going to talk a little bit more about the situation here in Israel. And don't roll your eyes at me, because I live here, and a lot of Jews live here, and this is very, very important stuff that we're all experiencing, whether you live here, or in Muncie, or in Seattle, or in Miami Beach. If your brother's suffering, then you're suffering. And that reminds me that I'm still on this diet, which, by the way, is going great. So if you're confused, like, what exactly is happening in Israel? Who is fighting against who? What triggers it? Um, you know, is Israel Takia going to carpet bomb Gaza? The answer is no. Could it? The answer is yes. You're not alone if you're confused. I came to Israel completely clueless. All I knew is that they were Palestinians here and 
many of them were terrorists, and they were teaching their children in the school system to be terrorists. And some of them work here in Israel in the land, and once in a while you'll see one with a machine gun t-shirt, but I digress. I can understand the complexity of it all, and also the simplicity of it all. So what makes it so complex is that it turns out there's more than one terrorist group. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there's the terrorists in the West Bank, there's terrorists in Gaza, there's terrorists in Jenin, there's different terrorists. I know people who know this stuff better than me are rolling their eyes. But the fact of the matter is, this was not actually Hamas. Not that it makes a difference. I mean, can you recognize two different cockroaches if I tell you they're different breeds? No, you can't, because a cockroach is a cockroach. Anyways, the PIJ, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, I don't know why they gave it like initials, because then it sounds like an organization. The PIJ, no, they are terrorists. Like that's what they do full time. They are Iran-funded terrorist groups that want to kill Jewish people and anyone who gets in the way. So those are the facts on the ground. Now, Israel's job is to protect its citizens. I live here, and my kids live here, and my in-laws live here, and this is where I walk on the streets and do my shopping. This is where I go to Simchas and take my kids out and live and drive and enjoy and while everything is ultimately in Hashem's hands, as a citizen, I can expect the homeland security, the army, to protect me from people who want to kill me. So when the army is proactive and makes sure that they are on top of their game, and it's not politics, this is real life here. People get killed all the time by terrorists. So Israel doesn't want to deal with that. Nobody wants to deal with that. So Israel has to be proactive, and Israel has to make sure. And Israel knows. They have the best intelligence in the world. They're not just like, let's, you know, let's, we're bored. Let's go into Gaza and see if we can kill a terrorist. It's not the way we operate here. So if the world, again, starts a fight with you, just be like, they started it. And that's it. And walk away. Okay, let's move on to bigger and better and happier things. So I've had the opportunity to visit Australia and it was such a wonderful experience. Not recently. This is a few years back. Okay, a lot of years back. But it was amazing. I'll never forget it. Sydney was stunning. And I was coming from Hawaii. So when I came to Sydney and I was like, the beach here is even nicer than Hawaii, I was like, wow. But Sydney, Melbourne, two wonderful experiences for me. I do remember the flight being long. And this was from Hawaii, so that's only 10 hours. So if you are in Israel and would like to get to Australia, you are going to have a shorter flight. The flight would take 15 hours instead of... 188 hours. <laughs> Those are long flights. Uh, so Tel Aviv to Melbourne on El Al sounds great to me. So here is a piece of nice news, I think. Long Island County becomes the first legislator to declare April 29th end Jew hatred day. So as soon as I read this article, I was like, April 29th, maybe it was supposed to be today's date? Like who postpones that for nine months? Well, the good news is that Nassau County has issued a resolution declaring April 29th as End Jew Hatred Day. I feel like this needs a song. Like, hooray, 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 we don't hate Jews today. I mean, this is, I don't know whether I should be excited that there's now a day in the calendar, one day a year when we don't hate Jews. But the rest of the 365 four days, it's totally fine. By the way, I don't want any of you to tell me that you can't do something because I am looking at a picture of a video of a propeller airplane with a 93-year-old woman named Betty Bromage 
strapped to the top. No, she's not sitting in the seat. Somebody's flying the airplane, and she's kind of leaning on top like you would before you jump off a diving board, like strapped in. So she is strapped onto this airplane because that's something she wanted to do. She wanted to do this daredevil challenge to raise money for a local hospice. I can't do a lot of things, but this is something I can do towards charity, and it's helping other people. That's basically been my way of life to try and help people. Wow. Wow. What a story. 93 years old, and she's like, you know what? I'll risk my life for charity, and it could be fun. So this is a beautiful feel-good story, and let's just take away from this just how important charity is. And that brings me to our sponsored ad. Did you get the Mishpacha magazine this week? Because if you did, you read the article by Yonasan Rosenblum called Giving Daily Even a Little is the Key. And he spoke just wonderfully about Jonathan Donneth, the founder of Daily Giving. Daily Giving is a website. It's a platform. It's a community. It's a campaign. It's a movement to get all of Am Yisrael on board with giving a dollar a day. Because giving tzedakah every single day, it just brings such bracha into our lives. You know, you might think... I just can't help. There's just too much to help with. And what's my little dollar going to help anyway? But when your dollar is part of Amisrol's dollars and together thousands upon thousands of dollars are given to organizations that are waiting at the end of the month for fresh funds to come in so they can continue the good work that they do, whether it's massive tzedak organizations in America like Hatzala or small mom-and-pop tzedak organizations here in Israel that help families feed their kids. So head over to their website, dailygiving.org. By the way, you can still watch the concert. Yes, we left it up for you. If you don't know what we're talking about, the link is in the show notes. Sign up for Daily Giving. Be part of Am Yisrael's virtual tzedakah box, the one that is never empty because you are always refilling it. Dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze. Just wanted to hear that till the end because it's been a few weeks without music. Okay. What else is happening around the world that we can discuss before I start giving you my opinions? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to do less opinions and more factual stuff. So why don't we talk about coffee makers? Now, I don't have a coffee maker. I've never had a coffee maker. I've enjoyed other people's coffee makers, but I'm not really that kind of gal. I like coffee from the can with a little bit of heavy cream, and I'm good to go. So... I don't get excited about coffee machines, but apparently some people do. So that's why I'm excited to present to you the Today Show's Consumer Reports Best Coffee Makers of 2022. Actually, on second thought, why don't you just go over to their website, todayshow.com slash bestcoffeemakers2022 and check it out yourself because I literally could not care less which coffee machine you have. But you know what makes me excited? Airplanes with more room. Now, I have traveled a lot in my life. And some very long distances, too. But I've never slept on an airplane. I mean, I could barely remember a time unless I was, like, finished. Because there's no room. Like, I can't, I've had, I have a brother who can curl up in a ball. Like, you know those little Pokemon toys that just, they open up and they're, you know, warriors and they just, you know, roll back into a ball? That's my brother on an airplane. He just, like, you know those people. They just compact. And then there's people like me. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm 5'9". When the guy in front of me pushes his seat back, it becomes a scene out of Mr. Bean. Like, where would you like me to go? So this story is heartwarming and exciting. Apparently, only about 50% of the population can fit in the seats. 13% of men, their shoulders go over into the next seat. So basically, Americans are ginormous, and the seats are tiny. 
But the good news is Paul Hudson, did you know that there is a agency called flyersrights.org and they fight for flyers rights? Yes, that's me and you on those airplanes. We have rights apparently. So he says that besides for the medical issues that can happen when you have cramped leg room like blood clotting or deep vein thrombosis, you know, it should just be expected that 95% of the population can fit into airplane seats. Right. And and for the other five percent, there should be larger seats available with a, a smaller cost, but nothing excessive. You don't have to buy a first class seat if you're a big fella. Now, if you're a big dude, it doesn't mean that you have a big budget. As a matter of fact, you might have less of a budget than your average flyer because you probably eat a little more. So it makes no sense that people don't fit on airplanes anymore. It's a safety issue because you have to get people off the airplane if it's like going down. And if a guy can't physically fit out of his seat, he could barely get into a seat. You want him to rush out of his seat? He's stuck. The bottom line is Americans are getting bigger. The airplane seats are getting smaller. And there's a guy who's going to try to fix that. So that is good news, especially if you're coming to Israel. No, I always say that. But wherever you go, you should be able to fit into your chair. Okay, quick update on the Maishi Kleinerman case. Honestly, I cannot understand where he is. So they arrested two more people. That's besides for another three people that have been arrested and nothing's come out of that. So where he is, what's happening, what happened to him, what's developing, details are not, you know, they're not available. So I guess we should just keep praying. No, we should. We have to keep praying for this Jewish child that he be returned safely home to his parents. His full name is Avram Maisha Ben Gittel. Okay, the next story I just actually got on Vasisnayas, and I'm trying to figure out why Vasisnayas shared this. There is a lovely mm, older woman named Anne, and she's holding up a cookbook. She's apparently 89 years old in this picture, and she has a bunch of cookbooks behind her, but they're not regular cookbooks. They are old cookbooks. So we're going to talk about her collection and try to figure out why Vasisnayas shared this article. Maybe there's a clue somewhere. Maybe it's just a fun article that, you know, they wanted to share. Well, apparently she collected charity cookbooks that were printed in the 1800s and the early 1900s that were sold as fundraisers and immigrant cookbooks. She also had a cookbook that was printed in 1796, one published by an African-American woman in 1866. Oh, this is something that we could relate to. And a Jewish cookbook published in America in 1871. I wonder what recipes are in a cookbook from 1871. I imagine there's no sushi salad or Hasselback sausage recipes. And we do know there is a lot to learn about people from what they eat and how they eat because food is culture. And, you know, that's how I can relate to this. There was actually a really nice story in Wisp magazine this week about a cookbook put together by people who lost children. And, you know, when you cook, it connects you to your family because you cook your kids' favorite foods and there's a certain aroma and your husband walks in and he says, oh, it's muscle good. Or your wife says, what? You're cooking? Amazing. So it just adds so much to to a family and to a house. And when somebody is not there all of a sudden, it might be really hard to make those foods that evoke those memories. So I thought this was a really nice story by Schleimi Zions in the Whisk magazine. I didn't even realize he wrote for the Whisk magazine. He's a great writer. So he writes this really beautiful story, a painful story, I should say, about an Israeli mother and father who lost two of their children, one to sickness, two of their sons, one in the army, and she couldn't make the food that her son loved anymore. It was just too painful. So now there's a cookbook that has her recipes along with another 120 recipes from mothers who lost their children. And each recipe is accompanied by, you know, a short excerpt about a description about their child who loved it. 
They sold 13,000 copies. The book has letters of support from Bibi Netanyahu, Shimon Perez, Reuven Rivlin. And there's a support group where the women get together and they talk about food memories and their children. What a beautiful article. We have so much to be grateful for. We have to just express it all the time. If you eat today, thank a farmer. If, you know, if it's on your table, thank a trucker. If you eat in peace, thank a soldier. And if you can't afford to eat, thank Joe Biden, President Joe Schmo. Is he still around? By the way, I have no problem with the man himself. He's a, he's a decent fellow. It just drives me crazy that he's the president and he's just too old for the job. That's it. That's the only thing I have against him, his age. I know he can't control it, but he didn't have to run. He literally can't run. So the criteria for running for president should be, can he run? Can he physically run from like a certain point to a certain point without passing out or falling off his bicycle? And if he can physically run, then he can run for office. That's right. Just a thought. Now for the next story, I've, I've actually been hesitating for the last 24 hours whether I should share it with you or not, because I'm not 100% sure why I would, I guess I should say. There's a new app, and it's interesting to me, and I'm curious if you'll think it's interesting too. So let me tell you about it, and then you can join me because I signed up, and I'm going to give it a shot. You know, you never know. I've been saying forever now, we need an app that's not full of garbage. We need a social media app that's not full of garbage with no Explorer page, with no weirdo people all around, with no DMs, just a place to share a picture and a thought. So now we have an app called Spoken, and this app is pretty cool. I'm putting the link in my show notes so you can check it out. You download it on your phone. It's the creation of Ari Chayo, a nice Chabad kid, and the app works like this. All you do is share your thoughts and a quick picture. So let's say you're driving somewhere. Okay, forget, you're not in the car. Never mind. Let's say you're cooking something and you just want to remember the details of the recipe and be able to share it. You just grab your phone, record a voice note, and then attach a picture. And that gets posted. And that's it. And people can listen to it on their feeds and to everyone else's voice notes. So you, you know, get a notification, someone's spoken, and you just start playing back these little audio clips and checking out what they're talking about in their pictures. And that's it. There's no reels. There's no stories. There's no inbox. There's no clutter. It's just, you know, if you love podcasts, you'll love this. Because if you don't like looking at your phone, which I personally don't, maybe it's because I have to wear glasses now. Thank you, President Trump, when he was running for office. I spent so much time on Twitter. I literally wear reading glasses now. So let's say you have five friends that you follow. And every morning, everyone kind of updates, hey, this is what I'm doing today. This is my plan or whatever it is you're sharing. Whatever it is people share, you could share it without any of the guyish stuff that you just don't want to see and have around you while you're trying to have a nice time with some friends. And not the photograph kind of person. You could just leave voice notes. You could literally talk the entire day into your phone and then tell your husband, follow me on Spoken. Now, between Instagram and Twitter and my life, I don't know how much I'll be speaking on Spoken, but I can say I've started using it and it's interesting. So follow me, check it out. The link is in the show notes. Now for a tiny, tiny piece of entertainment news, the entire world is talking about this. So I feel I have to say something. Pete Davidson, he's a Jewish actor, Saturday Night Live, very funny guy. Nothing to write home about in the looks department. But anyway, he ended up with one of the Kardashians. And now that's over. And there's rumors that he's going out with Martha Stewart. So if you think you're missing something in Hollywood, let me tell you, you're not. Okay, back to Gaza. Just kidding. Let's go to Canada. Now, I 
scoured the internet for interesting Jewish news. And this irked me so much that I couldn't, I, I just, I'm trying to figure out a way to say it because this is a family-friendly podcast. And this story in the Canadian Jewish news was just, it really irked me. It was just, okay, basically they have podcasts on their website. So if you go to the cjn.ca slash podcasts, you'll see some podcasts that the Canadian Jewish news puts out for its Jewish readers and listeners. And the story is about two people, David Sklar and John, and they threw a big party full of food coloring. Everything had food coloring on it. As a matter of fact, they celebrated how much they love food coloring together, John and David. And the the podcast was about how John, who is Catholic, I think, you know, he doesn't care that David is Jewish. Their love for food coloring is just so you know, that they have that in common. So they're willing to sacrifice David's religion for their shared love of food coloring. So the point of the podcast is to have a conversation whether their celebration is good or bad for the Jewish people. So is assimilating good or bad for the Jewish people? Interfaith marriage, they like to call it. And I, I couldn't even listen to it because I was just like, is it, are we having this conversation? Are we actually having this conversation where we kind of hypothesize whether this kind of party is bad for the Jewish people or good for the future of the Jewish people? Like, really, Canada Jewish News? You could host the Weekly Squeeze on your website if you're looking for content. Now, wherever you are, it's still August. It's still going to be hot. So let's discuss heat a little more. Now, I am a maven when it comes to heat because I grew up in Florida and I live in Israel. And as we speak, my fingers are frozen solid because the air conditioner is blowing on me. Now, my husband has the shtick that in the summer, it has to be as cold as in the winter in the house. And in the winter, it has to be as warm as, as the summer. So in the winter, he wants to wear shorts in the house. And in the summer, we're all wearing sweatshirts, which makes absolutely perfect sense if you're paying the bills. So this was interesting to me. Why extreme heat is so bad for the human body? Now, not everybody has a sauna in their house, but if you do, is that a problem? Well, basically, when your body gets too hot, we start to gain heat and our body core temperature, the temperature of our deep body tissues starts to rise. If that rise is unabated and it keeps going up, it can lead to heat-related illness. Oh, I thought that was going to be worse. But he says some people are at higher risk than others. If you take antipsychotics or antidepressants or Tums, apparently all of us, <laughs> okay, not Tums, but you know, you, it could be really dangerous. Older people with health conditions like diabetes, it's a very big risk for their heart and all kinds of things. I'm just scanning over this. But the point of this article is that, you know, heat stroke is a serious issue. And if, unless you're Beatty Deutsch, who, yes, went running to break her fast. That's what she posted on Instagram. Hi, everyone. I am going running to break my fast. I'm like, did somebody, did somebody forget to tell her that you're supposed to eat to break your fast? Not run. <laughs> but apparently she felt good enough to run. She drank water. She ran. And then she warned people not to do it unless you're, you know, an Olympic runner. But for the most part, if we drink enough water, we can handle heat. And this is why the next article, literally the next story in Time Magazine was why extreme heat plus pollution is a deadly combination. So first you're like, okay, it's hot. I'll put the air conditioning on and everybody will be just fine. Now it turns out that we're all going to die anyway because the world is full of pollution and pollution and extreme heat is not a good combination. So am I suggesting to put your masks back on? No, but pollution is a problem and therefore we need Mashiach. That's the solution to all our problems. I actually put on Instagram yesterday a question box where I wrote, I want Mashiach because, and people filled it out. And it was just so beautiful. Just one reason after the next why we all want Mashiach. 
And he should come soon so that we don't have to deal with nonsense like three days of missiles being fired at Israel from a bunch of Palestinian hooligans. So, Mashiach would be nice right about now. I just want to tell you about something else also very, very important. I think everyone remembers where they were when Spiral Pizza Shop exploded, killing 15 people, including seven children, a pregnant woman, and 130 people wounded. There was one girl that, you know, her story just, it's alive on Twitter day after day. Maki's parents, Arnold Roth and his wife, are just constantly tweeting about this, that their daughter's murderer, the woman who choreographed this terrorist attack in Spiral Pizza, remains sheltered in Jordan, even though she's on the FBI's most wanted list, with no consequences. So the story has been covered in the American news. It was actually on The View. Megan McCain spoke to Arnold and Fremit Roth about you know their story, but not much has changed, and they are fighting day in and day out on Twitter and wherever they can to share the story and seek justice for their daughter, who was murdered in cold blood by Alam Tamimi. So... When you hear the sound of explosions overhead, you just think about the parents, and there's so many of them who've lost children here in Israel, and you know they're thinking about all the other parents, and it's it's terrifying. This whole situation is just terrifying. So, as we go into a new week and turn our music back on and get some haircuts and just you know enjoy Yiddishkeit, being alive, being excited, being ready for Mashiach, energetic and full of Zrizis for life because every day that you're living, that is an opportunity to make a difference. So if you're listening to the Weekly Squeeze, make a difference. Leave me a five-star rating. Comment in the show notes. Someone sent me a message. My six-year-old cannot get over how smart you are. How does she know so much? You know, it's because I eat my vegetables. You have to eat a lot of vegetables to know this much. Have a wonderful week. I will see you all on Thursday.